Hi, thanks for joining me on another edition of the Evan Roberts podcast tonight. Uh, mostly wrestling. Uh, I'll give you an instant reaction to the WWE Evolution pay-per-view. I don't know if you heard, if you watched this pay-per-view tonight or yesterday or whenever you watched it, but it was historic. They were making history, and they reminded you about it over and over and over and over again. Uh, I'll also get into Roman Reigns and Crown Jewel. Uh, I, I wanted to give this pay-per-view a fair try, but it was tough because there's a World Series game going on. There's a very sexy Sunday night football game going on. And that's always a problem with these pay-per-views between, let's say, September to the Royal Rumble. You know, these pay-per-views, even Survivor Series, Survivor Series qualifies for it as well. Not back in the day when they used to do them on a Wednesday night. They used to do it on the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. That was perfect. But nowadays, when you've got these pay-per-views on Sunday nights in the fall, it's tough. This time of year, you got the World Series. I'm in the process of watching David Price win the World Series MVP. I mean, you can't make this crap up. And you always have a football game. So I always think it does take a little bit away from the WW pay-per-view. So the way I handled it tonight was I had the World Series game on the big TV most of the night. I had the football game on, and I had the pay-per-view. And I would put the audio up on the pay-per-view every chance I could get, but it wasn't up constantly. I had it up a lot during the last woman standing match and then the main event, which was Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella. Outside of that, I didn't usually have the sound up. Because, hey, it's the freaking World Series and it's Sunday Night Football. What do you want from me? Let me start with the pay-per-view. I'll give you my instant reaction to it. It was eh. That's my answer. It was very, very eh. And I think that the WWE over the last three years, I think they've done a great job building the women's division. Because growing up, and even during the Attitude Era, and even over the last how many years, Women's wrestling, they turned into a joke, right? They turned it into brawn panty matches. They were the ones who did that. They were the ones who turned it into a, let's have a mud wrestling match. It really became an event for horned up teenagers to watch, right? That's basically what it was, and it was never about wrestling. And three years ago, and maybe it started before that, but it really kicked it up in a high gear three years ago when they started to take the wrestling more serious. And it's smart because, you know, in 1998, if you're just going to show attractive women and get the teenagers all excited, I guess you could get away with it. But in this day and age, if you're watching wrestling, right, <laughs> not that you don't want to watch beautiful women do things, but there's an outlet for that, you know? You can go somewhere else and get that. So I think they realize that if they're going to have women involved, Make it real, make it wrestling, and make them tell a story like the men do and make it, you know, good matches like the men do. And I think they've done a really good job of doing that over the last three years. I think sometimes, though, they force it. Sometimes instead of letting uh, the natural evolution, I hate to borrow their word, of women's wrestling occur they try to force it. They try to force it by reminding you how historic it is, by saying, let's have this match for the first time ever, let's have that match for the first time ever. I think it's great that they had a Women's Royal Rumble. I thought the Women's Royal Rumble was really good. It's great that they had a, you know, a Women's Hell in a Cell match, 
but sometimes it feels forced. And I thought tonight was forced. I really do. I think that there would have been a time when it would have naturally felt like the women of the WWE were ready for a pay-per-view. I did not feel like that day was today. I haven't felt that way over the last few weeks because when you look at the build for these matches, because any good pay-per-view needs a build. WrestleMania needs a build. I always talk about the best WrestleManias give you those just incredible builds. What the hell did this pay-per-view have? What were the builds for this? The Bella thing came out of nowhere a few weeks ago. It had been rumored for a while, oh, the Bellas are going to turn heel. They're going to turn on Ronda Rousey. It happened 30 seconds ago. And while I thought the Rousey promo from a few weeks ago was awesome, I thought it was off the charts, I thought she reminded me in ways of Stone Cold Steve Austin, it again felt like, oh, yeah, we have this pay-per-view coming up. We're trying to sell tickets. Let's go figure this out. Let's push it together. So I thought there was no build for what turned out to be the main event. Now, for a guy like me, and and maybe some listening are going to disagree with this, I don't know the first thing about the NXT women's division. I don't watch NXT. I know a lot of people who love wrestling do. I'm sure a lot of people that are choosing to listen to this podcast probably watch NXT. I don't. I had no idea who the two women were. Shayna Baszler, is that her name? Shayna Baszler, Shayna Baszler? It sounds familiar. I admit, it sounds familiar. I thought she had a good look. I think she's a good wrestler. I thought the match was good, but I wasn't emotionally invested in it because I didn't know who either of these people were. Same thing for the Mae Young Tournament Championship. I have, I mean, that one, I have no idea. Tony Storm? No idea. That's a problem because when you have a pay-per-view, you're not just appealing to the diehard diehard who is watching the Mae Young Classic or is watching NXT. You're appealing to somebody like me. You're appealing to a casual observer. So you had two matches that may have had a build elsewhere, but on the programming I watch, had absolutely no build. Now, they started the event with a concert. I don't know why. I don't know why they started it with a concert. They also started it with Michael Cole's microphone not working, which was probably the best thing of the night. No, I'm kidding. There were some good things tonight. I'm going to get to that. There are some positives. But they start with that. I thought they were wise to start with Trish and Leah. I thought that was smart because I think if you're tuning in, you know who they are. And if you're there, it's going to get the crowd excited. So you get the crowd hot early by giving them two women they're familiar with. I thought Lita looked terrible wrestling-wise. Not looks-wise. I'm not going to sit here judging her looks. I'm saying wrestling-wise, I thought she looked slow. And maybe it's because she set the bar very high 15 years ago. And maybe it's because she's not a wrestler anymore. <laughs> so it's it's a very valid excuse for her not to look great in the ring. But I think that was your typical... Let's get the crowd hot. Let's give them a little bit of uh, old school stuff. And Trish and Lita defeated Mickey James and Alicia Fox. And it's not their fault that Alexa Bliss was out. It sucks Alexa Bliss was out. I feel bad for her. They never really addressed it, unless I missed it. They never really mentioned why she was out. So she ended up becoming the manager. And that had a build, but it also had a weird build. Because the way it was setting up was we were going to get a one-on-one matchup between Trish Stratus and Alexa Bliss. And I guess luckily it became a tag team match because of the fact Alexa couldn't go. But basically you had two women from the Attitude Era against two women that aren't really a part of the WWE evolution. I mean, Alicia Fox has been a mid-carder, maybe low mid-carder 
since she's been around. She's been around for a while, too. It's not like you walked through the door five minutes ago. And Mickey James was feuding with Trish Stratus 10 years ago. More than that. So it turned out to be, and again, I know the intention was Alexa Bliss, but the match, its intentions were better than the result. The result turned out to be it really wasn't the past versus the present. It was the past versus the sort of recent past. So it was an okay match. It did what it needed to do. But I think it would have been better if Alexa was able to go. It sucks she wasn't. And it would, have been, it would have been better if it was a singles match. But I can't look at that and say, boy, they did a good build for that. Did they really do a good build for that? I don't think they did. The women's battle royal, look, anytime you have a battle royal, men, women, whatever, it's usually because you have no build. It's usually because you just threw a bunch of people that you couldn't figure out feuds for and threw them in there. Now, I thought this was a well-done battle royal. I think battle royals can tend to be boring and tedious sometimes. I thought this was very good. I thought it was good how they had kind of the old school surrounded by the new school. I thought it was cool how Ember Moon and Asuka and Tamina and Nia Jax were amongst the last women standing. So I think there was a lot of intrigue at the end on who would actually go over. They had what's-her-name, Zelina, I guess, jump at the last second. You almost forgot she was in the match. Uh, Nia Jax winning is a safe bet. I mean, she's been in the championship picture. She's been a champion. I think Ember Moon would have been better because it would have been, hey, we're giving this, we're giving her a push. You know, we're giving her a new push. We've already seen Nia Jax climb to the top, but look, Nia Ronda Rousey have unfinished business, so it made sense for her to win. But I thought they did it well. I, I I'm fearful about what the hell's going to happen to Oscar though. You know, Asuka was one of those women who, when she came from NXT, I didn't know much about her, but I knew this. I knew she was undefeated. So I knew she had this really long undefeated streak, and they, they have her go over at the Royal Rumble, which was great, and they have her main eventing, not main eventing, I should take that back, in a prominent women's match at WrestleMania, and then it all went to crap. It just all went downhill. Her big push went nowhere. So I don't know what the heck they're going to do with her now. I don't know where it's going now. But I thought the Battle Royal was actually pretty good. I give them credit. The May Young tournament match, it was a good match. But again, no emotional interest in it. And of course, of course, listen, what would a historic event, as they remind you over and over again, be if you didn't have Triple H and Stephanie McMahon sticking their heads out after the match? You know, Stephanie's got the flowers. Triple H has that dopey trophy. They, of course, have to make an appearance because they need to remind you this history that you're watching doesn't happen without Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. The six-man women match, you know what sucked about it? Here's what sucked about it. When the revolution, the WWE women's revolution was occurring, I thought Sasha Banks was the best. I thought she had the best music. I thought she got the biggest pop. I thought she was a great wrestler. I think she had it all. And here she is, along with Bailey, who's pretty good. They're stuck in a six-man tag match. Again, it was, it was a fine match. What did it mean? You know, Sasha Banks, I would have thought if you would have told me a year ago, hey, they're going to have a women's pay-per-view, I would have thought Sasha Banks would main event it, not be in the middle of it in what felt like a throwaway six-man match, six-woman match. And by the way, between all of these matches, they needed to remind you the historic nature of the event. Look, 
I get it's historic. It's the first women's pay-per-view in WWE history. But you keep telling me that. You're screaming at me over and over again. This is historic. This is historic. This is historic. You don't have to tell me it's historic. You know, sometimes the best historic things are when you're not saying over and over again how freaking historic it is. That drove me nuts, I'm telling you. This entire pay-per-view, they got to remind you, and yeah, they got to show different women talking about, oh, this makes me so emotional, I'm going to cry about this. I mean, I'm not trying to take away anyone's emotion, but the more you talk about it, the more you just remind everybody how historic it is. You know why I'm laughing right now? I'm not even laughing about wrestling because I am recording this after the pay-per-view, and I mentioned it's a World Series game going on. So I have the World Series game going on, and I'm sure when you're listening to this, definitely when you're listening to this, the World Series will have been over. I'm watching it as Steve Pierce hit his second home run of this World Series game. And in my brain, I'm debating Steve Pierce versus David Price for World Series MVP. Now, the result will be in when you're listening, but I will give you my live-action response that it's gotta be david price even though it really is steve pierce does that make any sense like in the context of most valuable it probably is steve pierce when you look at what he did in game four and what he's even doing in game five the amount of rbis the amount of home runs he's hit and the value of his hits over the last two games game four and five probably makes him the mvp but the reason why it should be david price has nothing to do with with me and what I had to say, but it is kind of remarkable that all of a sudden David Price is this money pitcher, that David Price, you know, shuts down the Astros, clinches the Red Sox, the pennant, you know, pitches well in game two, closes out the Dodgers to win a championship. The, the remarkableness of David Price to me makes him the MVP. I digress. Let me get back to this. All right. This is a wrestling centric podcast. I love plenty of time to talk baseball. Uh, let me get to the last woman standing match. It was a great, great match. It really was. Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair put on an awesome show. If And it, this isn't one of those things where they did a good job for women. No, no, no. They did a great job for anybody. They gave you some amazing spots in this match. I thought it was really cool when Becky buried Charlotte Flair under the chairs and she still got up. It reminded me of Roman Reigns, who I'm going to get to in a little bit. Um, I could still talk about the way WWE tried to put Roman Reigns over for many years. They're doing that with Charlotte now, you know. It's so odd. They want you to cheer for Charlotte. Nobody wants to cheer for Charlotte. And that doesn't mean Charlotte's bad at what she does. She's great. She's a real, great's too strong. She's a really solid women's wrestler, but she is a heel. Everything about her is a heel, yet they continue to book her as a face. So when she, like the Incredible Hulk, breaks out of all these chairs burying her, they're expecting Nassau Coliseum to roar with approval, and the truth is nobody wants to cheer for her. And that's why I'm so glad Becky did win retaining the SmackDown Championship, and she did it in great fashion. She threw Charlotte through a table. What was it, like a power bomb through the table? or through a, Yeah, through a table. Very, very cool. This was a great match, and they gave them a lot of time. And I think that's one of the positives of this pay-per-view, that there's no shortage of time. You know, they didn't have the deepest pay-per-view in the world, so I think they looked at Becky and Charlotte and said, we're going to give you a good half hour. 
And that's rare. That's rare for the men. Forget the women. When they're going to give you that much time to to tell a story. This was the best match of the night. It did the best storytelling of the night. Uh, It had the best build, obviously, because they had fought so many times. This was really, really good. This was one of the better women matches you'll ever see. I think it was very creative. Uh, When she did the figure eight through the ladders, I think that was through the chairs, whatever it was. It was really, really cool. The negative is that the crowd and the people want to cheer Becky. They want to boo Charlotte. And WWE is trying so hard to make you do the opposite. And sometimes you just got to let it be. You got to let the people do what they want to do. Now, what's important, though, is you got to keep Becky being stone cold. She is a woman stone cold Steve Austin right now. She doesn't give a damn. She's raising hell. She's telling Edge he's a loser. She's she's at it. She is becoming a star right before our eyes. I guess this feud is over, though, right? I mean, they have to end it now. And so I wonder where they move Charlotte, and I wonder where Becky goes from here. This leads to the main event. I, 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 t- I spoke to Brian Monzo about this, who produces uh, Mike and is a you know really good wrestling fan right now. He's into the NXTs and everything. And he brought up a very good point. And his point was, what's the main event? Because can you really main event evolution with a woman who came from MMA and a woman in Nikki Bella who was kind of the face of a diva more than the evolution of women's wrestling? And I said, you know, it's a good point. I mean, it really is that I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Becky and Charlotte, for that reason, should be the main event. But Ronda is such a star right now that there's no doubt in my mind Ronda Rousey was going to main event the pay-per-view. So I was curious, and I was thinking about Monza's opinion about, eh, do you really want the, the lasting image of this pay-per-view to be Ronda Rousey breaking Nikki Bella's arm? So I thought about that as the match went on, and I, and I was curious how they were going to book this match because wrestling is scripted, we get it, but there needs to be a sense of could this really happen? A sense of, here, here's a good example. Brock Lesnar in the ring with The Undertaker always bothered me because Brock Lesnar is this, and I'm talking about the recent Brock Lesnar Undertaker. Here's Brock Lesnar. He's this machine. He destroys John Cena. He destroys everybody. And he's getting pushed to the limit by a 56-year-old? Like, it doesn't feel real in a way. And I look at Nikki Bella, and I look at Ronda Rousey, and I say, Nikki Bella can't last 30 seconds with her. And Nikki Bella, uh, I, I I like Total Divas. I like Total Bellas. Me and my wife watch that show. I really do. I enjoy the show. She was never a good woman's wrestler. And I think a lot of Rousey's promo was accurate. And I'm not even talking about the cheap stuff with Cena, about going to Cena's bedroom and getting ahead that way. I, I'm not even talking about any of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the, I thought you were a caricature. I, I You represent the divas movement and what was bad about women's wrestling and I kind of agree with it she wasn't a good woman's wrestler ever I don't think she was ever a really good wrestler and when they put her over a lot it always felt like well why are they doing that are they doing that because she's with John Cena are they doing that because she's a reality star and so I know she dealt with a neck injury and I feel bad about that but I don't think she was ever really a great woman's wrestler And now you're putting her in the ring with Ronda Rousey and we're supposed to take that match serious. We're supposed to think she can hang with Ronda Rousey. And they did. 
they not only did they let her hang with Ronda Rousey, they pushed Rousey more than she'd ever been pushed. You know what I mean? Like Ronda Rousey had never been pushed as hard as she was pushed by Nikki Bella. And as I'm watching it, it kind of bothered me. Because I kept saying, come on, you know, a near fall on Ronda. It's Nikki Bella. And I know there was some cheapness in this. Brie would interfere. And that's how she got ahead to begin with. But still. So I didn't like the main event for that reason. I think I would have liked it better if Rousey crushed her. If Rousey beat her in a minute and a half the way she won the championship to begin with. As awkward as that match was, I think they were better off doing it that way. I think they're going to continue the feud, which is just sucks. I mean, I wouldn't continue the feud. To do what? Unless the next part of the feud is Ronda crushing her the way we originally thought. And looking at how that match went, and even with you know Rousey being very much over with the fans and her being the face of evolution now, because think about it, even though she wasn't there for when the women's evolution or revolution was taking place, it led to her being here. It led to her joining the WWE, making a lot of money, and being maybe one of the biggest stars in the company right now. But considering how good the Becky-Charlotte Flair match was, it should have made evented. Looking back at it, that's what they should have done. Because it was a great match and it delivered. But overall, I mean, I just didn't think the pay-per-view was that good. And I think that they wanted to make history as they told you a million times. And so I think they forced it. So I don't think it was that good of a pay-per-view. Again, I thought the Becky-Charlotte match was really good. The rest of it left a lot to be desired. And I think here's the interesting question, my last thought on this pay-per-view before I get to other stuff. When will they do another women's pay-per-view? Are they going to do Evolution 2 a year from now? Are they going to do it sooner than that? Are they going to scrap it? Does this go the way of the ECW pay-per-view, December to dismember? Remember that one? They did it once. It sucked. I don't think they ever did an ECW pay-per-view again. Now, this is my opinion. Maybe the reviews overall are going to be, it was actually pretty good. Maybe I'm being too tough, and that's fine. But I am curious, when do we see another women's pay-per-view? Uh, let me get to Roman Reigns. That was heartbreaking. That was shocking, and that was heartbreaking. Uh, I've said this before. I think we can all agree on something in our divided time that we live in. Cancer is evil. Uh, and I think all of us probably know somebody that we lost because of that horrible, horrible disease. And so when you don't see it coming and Roman Reigns, a guy we all love to boo, well, let's admit that. I've talked about that many times on this podcast. They push him too much. Do we need to see Roman Reigns look strong again? Do we need to see him in another pay-per-view? But what I said to a friend of mine that night is I said, look, None of us ever had anything against Roman Reigns, the person, Joe Anoa, Anoa, however you pronounce his name. None of us have any issue with the man personally. We had an issue with the way he was booked. I don't know him as a person, but I'll tell you this. Right now, I'm rooting for him. I think we all are because when he goes into the center of the ring and tells you what he told you, that he has leukemia and he had leukemia and he had to give up the Universal Championship. Obviously, he can't wrestle right now. Uh, it made me cry, that's for damn sure, because you think of a human, a young human, a guy in his 30s having a battle cancer, and you think of his family, and you think of his kids, and it's freaking heartbreaking. So that was 
that was a moment as a wrestling fan that I don't know if I can compare to anything else because when a guy walks away to retire, whether it was Edge or Daniel Bryan or whatever, what are you really emotional about? That the guy can't do what he loves to do anymore? That you're not going to be able to watch him wrestle anymore? This was different. This was, holy crap. I mean, he's got the battle of his life right now. And he's a tough bastard, that's for sure. And I hope he's going to be able to overcome it. I think he's going to be able to overcome it. And God willing, he's back in the ring again. Um, I figured he was going to main event every pay-per-view for the rest of time. And every WrestleMania for the rest of the time. And now, God, I'd love to see him main event WrestleMania next year, wouldn't you? I think we'd all love to see that. And it, and it just changes the look of this company right now because for the last four years, he's been the guy. You know, for the last four years, everything to me has been written around him. Everything has been about him, good or bad. Every storyline seems to revolve around Roman Reigns is going to main event WrestleMania against who and how and how we're going to get there. And now it's like a big hole with him not being around. So that was a very different kind of moment to start wrong. I don't know what anyone else thought because obviously nothing had leaked out about it. I had decided right before, I forget what the game was that night. I think it was a World Series game that night. I decided, uh, let me watch the, the, the beginning of Raw. You know what it was? It was the Monday Night Giant game. That was what it was. The Giants were playing the Monday Night game against Atlanta. So I said, let me watch the first 10 minutes of Raw. And when Roman Reigns came out and he wasn't wearing his normal getup, I even made a comment to my wife. I said, that's kind of weird. Roman Reigns is out wearing a different, different outfit. And she laughed. She's like, you notice that kind of stuff? <laughs> I said, yeah, I actually do. And so that was the first warning sign. And then when he did the whole, you know, I lied to you. I'm not going to be able to. I said I was going to be a fighting champion. I'm not. I was so confused. And then when he said my name is Joe, I, I started like smirking, saying, what the hell is going on right now? And even when he said, I had leukemia and it's back, I still didn't even fathom it. I don't know if anyone else felt that way. Like, even when he said it, it took me a good 15 seconds to actually realize, A, what he was saying was real, B, what he was saying was about himself. As far as the decision that the WWE made to have Ambrose turn that night, Here's why I have no problem with it. And I think the WWE at times can be very, very tasteless. I think they've been in the past with Eddie Guerrero. I think they've been right now with Crown Jewel. I think they've done a lot of things. I can't even think of more, but I'm sure there are plenty over the years that I'm forgetting about where they have taken advantage of bad situations. Oh, wait, well, hold on. Number one is pop back into my head. Sergeant Slaughter becoming an Iraqi sympathizer. That was the worst of it all during a war when real people are dying and fighting for our country. They decide, hey, let's make Sergeant Slaughter a Saddam Hussein sympathizer. I mean, they have done so much of this crap over the years. I didn't feel that way about this. And I'll tell you why. Because I think when Dean Ambrose turned, and it was a good turn. It was a really good turn, even if we've been expecting it for a while. And obviously, they need to change all their storylines based on Roman not being around. But I thought, and maybe this is me being naive, but I'm usually not naive. I'm usually one to rip the WWE for doing things that aren't sensitive 
to to real life stuff like the war in Iraq or Saudi Arabia, which I'll get to. I thought it was their way of saying, we're here to distract you. We're here to entertain you. You know, it's it, it's what we do on sports talk radio. Look, at the end of the day, as passionate as we are about the teams we root for, and we are, and there are nights I can't sleep at night because my team didn't win. I mean, after the net game on Friday night when they gave a game away against the Pelicans, I couldn't sleep. After jet brutal losses, I can't sleep. So we do take it seriously, but it's all a distraction over the stuff that's all around us at times that matter more. You know, and I think that the WWE, in a way, with that turn, kind of reminded you, hey, we're still here to entertain you. That was real. That was raw. That was emotional. And we're not going to forget that. And we're all going to be fighting and praying, if that's what you do for Roman Reigns. But we are here to entertain you and distract you. And that's why I didn't think it was distasteful at all. Because wrestling's wrestling. It is what it is. You know what I mean? That That's what they do. And so I didn't think it was in the same league as some of the other things that they've done. I thought it was a great turn. I think right now Raw's kind of in this flux where if they did have a plan for the next six months, they have to rip it up because Roman Reigns isn't around. Uh, I assume Braun Strowman's going to win the championship at Crown Jewel, but I could see Lesnar... Tell me if this sounds familiar. Kind of, uh, you guys need me here. Okay, you just lost Roman Reigns. Okay, you, you, you need a real champion. Okay, you need a guy who could, you know, just give me more money and I will win the championship. I'm here to save you. Like, I could see that with Brock Lesnar. I don't know why I just did an imitation of Mike, but I could see it. So it wouldn't completely stun me if the WWE put the belt on Brock and said, I will right, we'll make you part-time champion for a few months. Why not? I don't think that's what they're going to do, but honestly, would you really put it past them considering, you know, Vince McMahon is probably sitting in a room saying, oh, Roman Reigns was supposed to be the champion until 2022. What should I do? So, I don't know. As far as Crown Jewel is concerned, (laughs) I know that if you or I We're going to be paid millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. We would not easily walk away from it. Even if our brain tells us it's just the right thing to do. I think the WWE has always been a very patriotic company. I think the SmackDown they had after 9-11 was beautiful. I, I notice and I don't forget how before every Labor Day, Memorial Day, Martin Luther King Day, 4th of July. Vince McMahon has these great pre-produced packages. Every time. Go back and look at it. I mean, for years he's done that. These really patriotic videos that he has. Vince, I think, appreciates this country. Or at least he produces video packages that say that he does. I think you need to step up here if you're Vince McMahon. You make a lot of money. You have a publicly traded company. You are doing things that your father and grandfather couldn't dream with this company. Walk away from Saudi Arabia. I mean, it's just walk away from it. Now, I could sit here and go on and on about how our government at times has not done that, and they haven't done it, even though 
how many of the hijackers were Saudi Arabian or Saudi nationals, I think as it was called. It's been going on for a long time and it pisses me off, but I'm not going to go in on that. I'm going to go in on how it's just simple to walk away. You are forcing a pay-per-view that you are now getting your fans to boo when they put up on the screen. They're booing it because they know that you're putting money and dollars ahead of just doing the right thing. And the right thing is move the freaking pay-per-view to Albany or San Jose or Toronto or London or anywhere outside of a country that not only just completely disrespects human rights and they have for a very, very long time and their excuse for it has been religion. That's their excuse for sometimes executing, Vince, do you realize this? Executing people who are homosexual. That's what they've done. And now executing a journalist because, well, they don't like them. Don't do business with them. It's a country that's named for a family. Don't do business with them. It's simple. Now, what are the long-term ramifications of it? Look, nothing with me, nothing with you. I don't think that wrestling fans are going to stop watching wrestling because they're making this deal with Saudi Arabia. But I'll tell you this, every time I hear it, Crown Jewel, World Cup, I mean, all these stupid ideas that clearly the government is basically telling them, here, you know what we want? We want DX versus Brothers of Destruction. That's what they want. We want a World Cup of wrestling, even though it makes absolutely no sense. We want a Royal Rumble, so we'll just call it the greatest Royal Rumble. We want these things, and we're paying you a fortune, so give it to us. And you know what else we want? We don't want women in the ring. That's also what we don't want. We don't want any women in the ring. You're having a women's revolution? That's great. You can keep that in America. That's what they're telling you. And so I, I don't expect Vince and the WWE to change their minds. I think that if... I mean, the only way they were ever going to change their minds is... I, I mean, honestly, I don't even know how they would change their minds. If they saw that their stock was just going to plummet, maybe... I don't even know if that would happen. Or if the Saudi Arabian government said, you know what, we're going to give you an out. This is a bad time. We shouldn't do the pay-per-view right now. And that's the truth. I mean, secretly, you don't do this publicly, but secretly of your Vince, you call up whoever you cut this deal with and you whisper to them and say, now is not the right time. We're not cutting it off permanently, even though they should. We are not saying we're never going to come back, even though they shouldn't. You just whisper to them, Now's not the right time. Now's not the right time. As far as John Cena's concerned, how are they going to write this into their script? John Cena's not showing up. This is a dude that's trying to be publicly accepted as an actor. What, what, what dopey TV show is he on all the time? Good Morning America, you know, Good Day New York, whatever show he's on. He doesn't want to be associated with wrestling in Saudi Arabia. And he can get away with it. He's John Cena. I'm fearful that if Daniel Bryan doesn't go, they're going to ruin any kind of championship push they were going to give him. So they, they're doing this, man. They're doing this. They're going to have this pay-per-view crown jewel. I think it's hysterical that every time they put it up on the screen, the crowd boos them. 
even though they never say where the pay-per-view is coming from. It's just Crown Jewel is on at noon. Please watch it on a Friday afternoon. And the truth is, I'll watch it. As a wrestling fan, I'll watch it, but I'll feel dirty as it happens. It's kind of like the Katie Vick angle. You watch it, but you feel dirty as it happens. Anyhow, those are my thoughts. Oh, you know what I'm going to do at a protest? I'm not going to do an instant reaction to Crown Jewel. There you go. (laughs) That's my protest. Uh, Coming up, though, real soon on the Evan Roberts podcast, besides some instant reaction to net games, which I know people love, I will do a Met offseason preview and a Yankee offseason preview. Both of those things are coming up real soon. I appreciate you listening. Of course, you can catch Joe and I Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. This has been a wrestling edition, including the Evolution Instant Reaction edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. Thank you.